weeks. Don't ask me to talk. Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am your host, Stacey Heller. I am so excited about today's guest, and she will appreciate more so than many the references that I had as inspiration for the music, but I'll get into that in a minute. So as I said, welcome. Um, If you can't listen live, then make sure that you text D-A-M-T-T to 55678, and then you will get all the details on where you can find me to listen on your preferred platform podcast platform. Man, that's a mouthful. And if you want to call in, you can call 425-373-5527. And if I said that too fast, go to kknw.com and look it up yourself. I'm feeling sassy today. Um, So anyway, my guest today- Can I just jump in with a correction? Oh, I said it wrong. Sorry. It's 1150kknw.com. Yeah. What Eric said. This is why Eric is here. Just if you go to the other thing, it'll probably be something you don't want to go to. This is a good point. (laughs) Thank you for that. No problem. All right. Now I feel like I have to say it again. 425-373-5527. Okay. That was right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm joined today by Amy Harrison, who is a friend of mine. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's so exciting. She is also an author. She is a mother of eight and an 80s aficionado. Yes. All of that is correct. I mean, it's. I think it's one of the reasons why we bonded. P.S. I think you were just talking about live call-in folks. I mean, I totally remember doing all that. Calling the radio station to get concert tickets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it's your lucky day. If you, if you call in, I'll send you a hand-knit dish <laughs> rag. I gave some to Amy and to Eric. Um, I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> so I feel like I'm a... Um, a lowbrow Oprah. You get a dish rag and you get a dish rag. Everybody gets a dish rag. Right? This is what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you call in, I will send you some hand-knit dish towels that my mother uh, did. So um, Amy and I are going to be talking about her book that is going to be coming out this spring, and I'm really excited to talk about that. So let me get through my laundry list of things to share here. What I learned this week. Ready? There's a difference between an SD card and an STD card. (laughs) That's right. Really? Yep. (laughs) So I was learning about my recording equipment that I got for when I'm in Veranda Beach this summer and I may do the show remotely. And Dave Nelson was teaching me about all this equipment that I got. And he said, oh, it didn't come with an SD card. And I kept calling it an STD card. So... I've decided that the SD card is certainly for recording and saving and all of that. And the STD card is, it's like a punch card. So every time you get an STD, you could punch it. Now, I feel like that's a bad thing. Do you get a free (laughs) STD once you've filled up the card? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure what you get. Like some super disease. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, hey, tired of coronavirus? Want to find something a little more interesting? Get your STD card. Swap to an STD. So I decided I had to make fun of myself so that I could fully remember to call it an SD card. It just it it. doesn't feel (laughs) right to not. It just flows off the tongue as like STD, which 
I don't know why, because it's not like I talk about them all the time, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> that's something I learned this week. So um, also, on Sunday, I learned more because we recorded some of the Between Two Cheeks podcast, which, if you recall, because I know you are all fervent listeners that have listened to every episode, it's the podcast that I am helping produce and host about Brazilians, not the people, the treatment and so this week, we focused on how to prepare for getting a Brazilian sugaring done. And we called that episode Ready, Set, Yell. <laughs> yep. Perfect. And we also talked about what to expect during said treatment. That one is called uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting Hell, which <laughs> seemed like an appropriate title to share since you're the mother of eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so on and so forth. And so I learned so much while recording because as I shared on the podcast, I'm like the 50-year-old virgin when it comes to that. And so I am learning so much that I never cared to learn. But I'm an expert almost. Well, quick sidebar on that, if I can. Please. Is I had this idea that maybe when giving birth at the hospital, if it weren't for things like HIPAA laws and complicated stuff like that, I mean, what's the problem with getting an epidural and then calling in the waxer and saying, hey, I'm ready now? Oh. Because especially as a postpartum mom, you can't really take care of your biz. Right. So it'd be good to get that all out of the way. And then, of course, once you are numb, it's a much better experience. Just put it on my STD card. (laughs) Charge it through. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We should go on the road with this act. Um, That's brilliant. That's like the the dentist that when I um, did a podcast episode for our BNI group, the dentist of the group was saying that, you know, he encourages people to brush their teeth and take care of their teeth. Otherwise, it's really good for his business. And so I said, you should have like a soda machine that is in your office and a snack machine. And basically, it can just be like, you know, thanks for the help towards the new motorcycle. Thanks for the help towards the whatever. <laughs> Not only the money that you're putting in the machine, but the money that you're putting into your teeth or ruining them, I should say. Yeah. So I think it's smart when you can get people like coming and going. I love it. Like a picture of like the big latest yacht that he purchased. Right? Yeah. I don't think that would annoy people at all. No. No. So um, he did not take my idea. Update. Um, (laughs) Now, mom. There's a new name that mom and Diane and Lee are going by, and that would be GLOP. What does it stand for? I'll tell you. The Glorious Ladies of Penswood. Now, it's not very pretty, GLOP. Is this a play on GLOW, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling? Oh, sure. (laughs) Yes, that's kind of... Yes, it is. I think you're now... (laughs) maybe have replaced me as my mother's favorite. (laughs) So, wow, congratulations. You're going to get a lot of dish rags. I mean, yeah, so it's a name that I would like to take credit, and he said that I could take credit on air, but I can't. Uh, Jay, my oldest brother, he came up with that, and it's just so much easier. And after last week's um, paper plate pizza night, um, he decided that Glop seems like a really good name. So anyway, hey, Glop. Um, And mom is increasing her collection of blow-up rabbits. 
for Easter? Yes. Okay. Yes. She and uh, the rest of Glop. This is like the whole like BIPOC. It's like, is it <laughs> yeah. the BIPOC? Is it like, it's a very tricky thing. Anyway, yeah. so they had the first bunny that they got that I think was purple maybe. And now Buffy, you don't know about Buffy, Amy. Buffy is my mom's favorite daughter, which is awkward because my mom only gave birth to one daughter. <laughs> so she adopted Buffy late in life, as in like three years ago. And Buffy sends her things like a giant inflatable bunny for Easter to add to the collection. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. No, it's, it's fine. fine. Yeah. She didn't no give bitterness. Buffy a whole bunch of dish towels <laughs> that I could share with you and Eric. So um, thank you for those, Mom. They arrived in the mail yesterday. And I don't think you got a chance to wish Pete a happy birthday. Um, He's like, I think your mom called. So if he didn't call or text you back while I was working, he meant to. And he says, thank you. you Nothing like getting a message to mom across across country. Check it off the list. You did it. Uh, Right? Yeah. I mean, this is like my weekly phone call to mom, basically. <laughs> One-way conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ideal conversation with parents. Uh-huh. Okay. Lastly, my stasiism. So every week I share a stasiism. This week, I noticed that Charlie, when he's been talking to me about things, will say, but, for instance, I'll say, hey, I've been reading articles about WandaVision. Doesn't that make me cool? And he'll say, yes, but... So I, a few years ago, really worked hard to make my word and, and to change the word but to and. Yep. And so you don't realize how much you say but until you really start paying attention. So mm-hmm. I'm going to encourage anyone and everyone that is listening to, for the next couple days, pay attention to how many times you say but when you could say and. It makes a huge difference, not only to your mindset, but to the way people perceive you. Because if if you say, you know, um, I'm going to send you dish towels, and I say, yes, and I have so many, so maybe you could share them with other people instead of, yeah, but mm-hmm. I already have so many, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> that makes the person feel bad. So, so true. Yes is an acknowledgement. I heard what you're saying. I acknowledge it. And let me add to it as well. I love that. Because but is kind of one of those words. It's like actually, because actually in my mind is kind of like, I'm about to correct you. Mm-hmm. I don't dig that. Right? Yeah. And it negates everything yes. that is said beforehand. Exactly. Like, oh, you look so good. But. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish you had worn your hair up. And it's like, all you hear is, I should have worn my hair up. Right. So that is my stasiism. It's a reminder after I kept hearing Charlie and I was yes-anding him a lot. And I thought, I need to share this one. This is a good one. It's a gem. It's a gem. It is. My and you can tell someone they have a nice and, and you could probably run away before they figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> That's funny, too. Eric, you are on fuego today. Big time. Wow. Okay. So enough about me. We're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back from the break, I am going to chit-chat with Amy, and I'm going to hear all about her and her book and what she's been up to. We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. Talk. 
Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuiper Counseling.com. Bored with the other stations? Hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am your host, Stacey Heller, and I am joined by Amy Harrison. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, Amy and I go way back. And then Amy moved and we lost touch. Um, however, I still stalk you on social media because your posts that you write are amazing. I love being stalked. Well, I mean. Thank you. And <laughs> is it stalking if you admit it? That's a good question. I don't know, but I think it takes balls. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. So much. So... I I love when you post these long essays that are so candid and so honest and authentic and funny. And I so appreciate a writer that when they write, you can hear them talking to you. And because okay. I know you, yeah. I know that your writing voice is the same as your conversational voice. Yep. So it's such a delight. I'm like, oh, I haven't lost touch with her at all. I totally hey. know what she's doing. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, yeah. So it makes total sense that you would write a book then. And um, also, your holiday cards are ridiculous. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, thanks. I mean, granted, you have a a lot of kids and all of that. But just, like, all the photos and the pregnancy photos and, like, <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm that classic mom that's like, oh, yeah, the fourth kid. Like, right. I have a baby book for you. It's shoved, like, everything's just shoved in it. It's fine, Somewhere. Charlie. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so catch me up. Obviously, we talked about the fact that last time we hung out, you were really hung out. You were at my house. We were doing our annual Bush to Noel night, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a Yule log. And mm-hmm. you make a cake, and it looks like a log and, you know, whatever. And it was super, super fun. And we've still continued that. And then you went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. So now you've got, um, at that time, there were four kids and you and Andrew. Now you've got eight kids and Andrew has taken off. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? I saw it. <laughs> so good. And then there's you. Yeah. And typical of moms, you always come last. You always ask about the kids, and then you ask about the husband, and then you ask about you. And I think that that had an impact that resulted in a whole big interlude in your life. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. 
Touch me up. Well, so the Bush to Noel, just to start there, um, I was just mentioning how my Bush to Noel that night looked more like a Sasquatch having a heart attack lying on its side with like bark sticking out everywhere and all kinds of awkward things going on. Um, And that was still in my drinking days. And so basically what happened to me, if I'm going to give you the nutshell version of it, Um, without going cradle to the grave, is that I, growing up, just kind of always felt a little bit insecure inside, didn't know that that was fine, that most people have some kind of level of that um, internally. And what I tried to do was cover it up with my religious beliefs and just say, oh, everything is fine. I just need to pray more, go to some more Bible studies. It's all good. And I never really gained any tools for living. And I don't like blame anybody for any of that stuff. It's just that that's not the pathway that I was on at the time. Mm -hmm. And so then we moved up here. I had been a 10th grade English teacher in California where I'm from. We moved up here. I got sucked into meeting all the the folks, all the doing all the things with all the other moms. Mm -hmm. And I felt like um, where we lived at the time... I mean, these are like these Jedi moms, right, who are like, oh, you didn't register your kid for soccer back in the spring? And I was like, what, you mean for fall soccer? Right. Like I missed it. Missed it. Totally just felt like I was clueless all the time. So this started a bunch of negative internal talk for me. And I pretty much felt like I was kind of failing at this mom thing and didn't realize that. Um, thank you, um, that I had, you know, four kids in the time that a lot of people had two or one. Right. And so, of course, my life was going to be a little bit more complex and a little bit more difficult to um, manage and challenging and that that was okay. And being a type B personality, I was kind of that person who wasn't super organized and all of that is okay. And I started just kind of hiding behind um, trying to figure out different ways to escape my feelings. Mm -hmm. I started going to book clubs, have a glass of wine or two there. Never really had a drinking history at all. And then as I got a little bit more sucked into the mommy wine culture and the mommy's juice afternoons, Mm -hmm. um, it just became a thing where after time... All of a sudden, I thought, I don't know if I'm controlling this anymore. I think this is controlling me. Mm-hmm. But I did not, I didn't want to tell anybody because that was my way of coping at that point in time. Right. And so I just kept it quiet. And I think pretty much everybody else knew I had a problem before I did or before I would admit it. I think, I, I imagine that that's sometimes the case. And I, I appreciate the fact that your story is a little bit different. You know, I have... In my family of origin, we have a history of alcoholism. In Pete's family of origin, there's a history of alcoholism. So there's always so much, you know, talk about the genetics of Mm -hmm. alcoholism and addiction and that kind of thing. People forget, though, that circumstance can also breed this, that if you're not taking care of your mental health, then you can find unhealthy coping mechanisms and skills Mm -hmm. that that really they mess you up. And I'm 100 percent with you on the culture of the mom culture, it's really hard. And moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, 
people never say here what they really mean. And I would come in and there would be a conversation about something. And I'm like, just kill the snake, people. We don't need to have a PTA meeting to talk about killing the snake. Like the snakes in the room, we'll worry about PETA later. And, you know, it was it was really different. And I would imagine that you felt like you were trying to hide the secret of you being human. Right. And then you had a bigger secret to hide, which was your struggle with drinking. Right. Yeah. And for me, the big deal was that I started out for all intents and purposes as a normal drinker. And so I thought I could sort of get back there. It stood to reason in my mind that, oh, well, things might be a little bit out of control right now. But if I just kind of rope it in a little bit and cool it down, everything is going to be fine. So I lived with that constant, oh, man, I just, yeah, I'm doing it too hard right now. I better just kind of let it all go and, (laughs) you know, just Go back to square one and kind of like being on a diet or something. Sure. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I ate too many cookies, but that's fine. Tomorrow's another day. Exactly. And I'll start all over. Yeah, and exactly. So, since I'm already, since I already ate all the cookies, I might as well finish the box. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I've maybe been on a diet or two. <laughs> so I can totally relate to that. Was there a moment that you said, okay, enough is enough? Well, yes. That. If you're, if you're, are you asking kind of like about a rock bottom moment or just so like for some people, it can be an incident. It can be a series of events. It can be a moment of awareness. It's just, there's just, it's really, it's a perfect storm of all of it. Right. Trifecta kind of thing. And for me, I can think of actually three things. First one being the first night that I realized I had consumed almost an entire bottle of wine by myself, which might not seem like a big deal for people to hear that. But for me, it was like, that was the moment where I thought, I can't believe this. It was kind of early on. It was before I had any real progression, before I started experiencing consequences. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at that going like, damn, I'm so sorry. I swore twice now, and I'm very sorry. I'm going to get kicked out. I apologize. (laughs) I am not going to kick you out. I will not. Yeah, I'm very sorry. Um. And so so there was that, that night where I just kind of felt this internal fear, like, I better get control of this. And then um, the second one was the first time that I went to rehab, which I like to call not rehab, because my husband told me that it was not rehab. It was going to be sort of a depression camp, if you will. And it was going to be a place where I could go work on my postpartum depression issues and just have a break from the kids and get away, you know, like it was like a club med or something. (laughs) And I got there, rolled up and was angry because it was not not rehab. It was legit rehab. So so you felt bait and switch. Yes. Yes. And so I just kind of thought I was a little bit too good for that place. And I was filled with ego and pride and just couldn't see that I had a problem wasn't willing to admit that perhaps I was one of everybody else who was in the room. You know, I didn't have legal problems. I didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, I still had a house. I had a husband. I don't have a problem. My life is together. Right. And then I came home from not rehab. And two weeks later, I got a DUI right over here on like the main artery through town at school pickup time. And that was really my moment of clarity when I thought, Okay. And that was like, I would say the the largest 
point in time where I really surrendered, truly surrendered and said, "Mm, I'm an alcoholic and I can't control this. And if I have any hope of maintaining my life in its current semblance, I'm going to have to try and get sober. And it was terrifying. Oh, I cannot even imagine. And to have the, the grace to go through that situation and not get angry again and to uh, like actually have it have um, a moment for you of reflection. There's so many people that, you know, they're still not there yet. So good for you for, you know, everybody has their moment. And so whatever it looks like for anyone, congratulations on having it. Self-awareness, no matter what your deal is, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, mental health, um, obesity, um, you overwork, whatever it is, mm-hmm. self-awareness, it's so the first step yeah. of anything. Yeah. yeah. And so that's huge. And so then you went to rehab rehab, I'm yeah. guessing? Yeah. So basically I had a, a really exciting evening because I got an invitation to spend the night at King County Jail. Ooh. And the I mean- nice? They were lovely, and so were the outfits. I look really good in an orange jumpsuit, apparently. Oh, that that sun-kissed California skin that you have. You know. Um, Yeah. And so, oh, sidebar, fun tip. Um, Hopefully you will never need this, but if you ever go to jail, God forbid, ask for socks because it's really cold in there. And I didn't know that you could request socks, but you can. So. Something to tuck in the back, <laughs> in Noted. the back of your mind <laughs> that you will most likely never need. But just saying it. You know what? Never say never. You know. Growth mindset. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah. So that evening I spent there was terrible. And as I rolled on the rubber mattress hour after hour, staring out the window of this dim cell, um, you know, that's when I just surrendered to my innermost self and just said. You know, I don't even know if I still have any of those things I had 24 hours ago. I don't know if my husband's going to stay with me. Do I still have a house? You know, what's mm-hmm. going to happen with my kids? And yeah, so then after that, I had all those legal problems. And I was just like those people who I judged in not rehab. So I went back to the same rehab. And at that point, I was like willing to stand on my head naked if it would help me get sober. And that's what it took for me was really that standing on your head naked. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's better than waking up naked in a chicken coop in Tijuana after a blackout. So, hey, you know, I mean, that's fine. My my (laughs) boobs would finally be in the right place. (laughs) Right. It's all about gravity. So there's that. Um, So I don't want to I don't want to focus. I think that part of the story is so powerful People have a tendency to rubberneck on right. tragedy. Yeah. So I don't want to focus on that. I want to shift because then you came out and you gave basically like you had a rebirth of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that is incredibly powerful. And and then I think it was the impetus for you to write this book. Yeah. So yeah. tell me about that. So I got home and when you get sober, basically there's this little saying and it's new playgrounds, new playmates. And that's what I had to do. I had um, a neighborhood full of a lot of drinking and it was extremely common. It wasn't, you know, an odd thing that that was occurring. 
And I just needed to be around some sober friends. And I didn't really have any at the time. Mm -hmm. I actually had one friend who was my biggest drinking buddy. And she had gotten sober about six months before I did. And she was the person who was kind of tolerating me at that time. Mm -hmm. And so that was really helpful was I just thought, you know what? I need to simplify my life. We need to move down the road. We're going to put all the kids in at this school. It was going to be closer to my husband's work. And I was really close to where I could go to a lot of 12-step meetings and just build a whole new life. And it happened, and it was just more than I could have ever dreamed of. So, um, and to this day, it's it's pretty much where I have set up camp is with the 12-step community. And I know that there are so many different programs that people can go through. I have several friends of mine and acquaintances that have gone through the 12 Steps and it's really how you translate it. And as you say, this idea of surrender. And one of the most powerful things I recall hearing from an interview that I uh, was a part of was when this gentleman was talking about his um, basically fall from grace. I mean, his his rock bottom was on the cover of a newspaper kind of thing. And the person that ended up reaching out to him and, and then sponsoring him said, you don't need to believe that this is right for you. You just need to believe that it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking to lead a different life, then you need to take a leap of faith and surrender. And then you can decide what's going to work for you. Absolutely. And it yep. was such a interesting thing that sometimes you do need to, you don't have to believe that it's going to work for you. You have to trust that it worked for this person whom you respect and who right. is living a life that is healthy and and better. Yeah. I mean, that's the big deal is learning to trust a process, right? And just kind of fall into the arms of the unknown. And it's scary. It's terrifying thinking, you know, I, I don't understand why they're asking me to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't understand, and I have opinions about it. And um, just to let all of that go, um, it's difficult, especially as adults. I mean, you know, the older I get, the more set in my ways I find myself. So just the willingness to look at something from a different perspective and just follow directions. Yeah, you don't strike me as a direction follower. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Uh. So then you, you know, you create a community for yourself. And, you know, as I said, I've witnessed from the peripheral and you were really authentic about sharing like, oh, my gosh, the kids and all these kinds of things. And then you were pregnant. Yes. Surprise. Yeah. And um, and then because you and Andrew are overachievers. Um, you decided that match sets seemed like a good idea, so you went for another four. Mm-hmm. And they're all of your children are unbelievably gorgeous children. And <laughs> thank you. Like again, you know, you can follow Amy on social media and the stories that she tells and the pictures. And there is such a presence that it's clear that you and Andrew have with your kids. And so. I think you had that before, but I'm guessing that you felt like you lost it and lost your way. It's very clear that it has really 
back and the fact that Andrew is such a partner in all of this mm-hmm. and you are such a partner with him in his career. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, healthy approach to things. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just amazing. So all of these experiences of yours, you decided to take your amazing English teacher ways, your writing with a clear voice that is clearly yours, your experience of having a bunch of children and your experience as an alcoholic and roll it all up into one juicy book. Mm-hmm. Eternally juicy. expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love the name. Um, what does the name mean to you? I know what I think it means, but what does it mean to you? Well, first of all, I'm a big fan of alliteration. So there's that. Amen. Right. And um, yeah, secondly, just the whole concept of, okay, my career in pregnancy and childbirth is over now. I'm not going to have any more kids, knock on wood. And, you know, by all means, it's exciting to know all the different chapters that await me. And if I'm sober, I'll be around and present to experience those chapters. And so that's kind of where my head was um, my head was around, was eternally expecting. So I love that. Want to know what I think? Yeah. I mean, because it matters. Cause it does. Know, it's, it's your book, <laughs> but it's my opinion. Yeah. The idea that um, you're the ultimate optimist and this expecting something and, and the differences in the beginning, maybe you were expecting to happen, it, you were expecting it to happen to you or for mm-hmm. you, and now you're participating in it right but there's just this optimism of like I'm always expecting like something's going to happen right absolutely and and that you know your past can become your greatest asset right if you let it be and if you let yourself reframe those things and you know share them with people and it's it's pretty incredible the connections that can be built through that sharing 100%. When I work with clients, the things that they think are their greatest weaknesses or their quirks or whatever it is, I'm interested in those because to me, that's the thing that's going to connect them with their ideal client. Yeah. And those people in the back that don't get you, that don't support you, that, you know, don't understand you, why are you talking so loud to get their attention? Mm -hmm. Because they're never going to buy in. Instead, Mm -hmm. talk to the people right in front of you that are waiting with bated breath to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, it's such a powerful thing. So this book, I know from what you've shared that you are using, it's part memoir, part metaphor. We were talking about the play on words that it's like, you call it a memophore. Mm-hmm. I was saying that it's like, oh, a mama four times too. Um, you use metaphor mm-hmm. and you use the whole birthing process along with the rebirthing process of going through recovery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really a powerful. I read some of the breakdown of all the different things. One, I did not know that those were the names of the various stages and phases of giving birth. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, some of the words I was like, oh yeah, I remember effacement, right, mm-hmm. right, right, and crowning. But then right. other things I was like, oh, Oh, is that what that was called? <laughs> so that was interesting. And Good. the way that you made the correlation between that and what you've gone through was brilliant. 
Thank you. That is so nice. Well, I'm not just being nice. I mean, I'm well, not you always act- wonder, is this going to, is anybody going to get this? You know what I mean? Like, well, there's that, like, uh, well, I, you know, you're, you've given birth to eight children. You've had a rebirth of your own. And I think when you create something, it's like another sort of birth. You put something out into the right. world and it is so of you. And yet you have to let it go and just sort of let it take off. And you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. even doing this show, I don't, I'm like, sure, I'll have a radio show and I'll talk because my mother never listened to me. And so <laughs> she listened to Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Amy. <sighs> and so, you know, you put it out there and you just don't know how it's going to be received. And yeah. In some ways, it's even more risky because you can appreciate that your children are going to have their own life. And you can you can appreciate the fact that you're not going to be in control of it. And you watch with awe because whatever they do is really going to be better than anything you planned. Right. But with something like art, it's like you have an intent and you have a point and you have expectations and hopes and, and everything. Yeah, 100%. You kind of wonder if, you, you know, the artist who did the one piece of candy in the corner at the Chicago Art Institute (laughs) is like, does anybody get the deeper meaning? You know, like, (laughs) which is, I don't want my candy anymore. And so I'm going to put it on the wall. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And like, I think it was like Art Basil in Miami, where it was the banana and duct tape or something. And it went for like crazy amounts of money. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's art. I will say that the other day um, at our house, there's, there was this, spot uh, like a scrape or something and I said I'm going to put a little placard that has like you know still life not so still (laughs) (laughs) right and you know like by the artist and have you know Charlie as he was rushing to get his backpack perfect Um, so the other metaphor that you use throughout the book is airplanes Mm -hmm. you are an avid traveler. You always have been. You married a guy from Australia. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that he works for Alaska Airlines. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly something that is near and dear. And I remember when the Alaska Airlines ad came out with the safety dance, mm-hmm. sending you a message. <laughs> and I was like, did you have anything to do with this? Because this is so your personality. <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing that um, text and just thinking, mm-hmm. she knows. She knows that when I saw that in its kind of raw format, I was like, this is genius. Like I had Oprah tears. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, that is like, to me, that is so like you. Yeah. <laughs> and so much fun and purposeful and a message. It's that combination. That's yeah. that's what I think this book you're hoping, I'm guessing it will be. It's that it's fun and you can hear your voice, but it also is purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. And that is true. That That is definitely my hope is that, you know, so many times I'd wake up in the morning, look in the mirror at my puffy face, and I just felt alone. I just felt like nobody else understood. And I couldn't really confide in anybody because I was terrified inside. And so even if, you know, people read it and think that perhaps there's something in there that resonates with them, And maybe there isn't. Maybe it's kind of like a seed and someday maybe, you know, they can help somebody else with it. Or uh, that's kind of my my only my only 
true hope is that people will realize this is common. It's not the bum under the bridge with the brown bag and the trench coat necessarily anymore. And 12-step meetings I go to are, they're full of people who look like us. And mm-hmm. so to to break that um, that misconception is, is something that's been around for a while, mm-hmm. the attempts to do that. And so definitely the the thought that we're all very much normal people and you don't have to have legal problems. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to get as far as I, uh, you know, I didn't have to fall that far, mm-hmm. but it was just part of my story and it unfolded the way it did. I recall helping a client with their website and they work with um, people that they do couples counseling, individual counseling, and also specialize in uh, substance use counseling. And the pictures that were associated with that, it was, you know, the gal in the tank top with uh, tattoos. And, you know, that didn't look dingy or anything. But I remember when I was giving feedback saying, there needs to be somebody that looks like me. Why is there, and not the tattoos are bad, or, but I think people understand what I'm saying, that somehow it, it isn't somebody that looks like me. Um, and, you know, right. I said that picture needs to change because it's it's the person to your left or your right or in your family or next to you in church or at the grocery store or and it it may not be alcoholism. It could be addiction. It could be anything. We all have something. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that putting a light on the monsters in the closet and under the bed and befriending them. Yeah. So much easier. So much easier. Yeah. And it's definitely that person down at the grocery store who's got the cart full of wine who's always having a party several times a week. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's COVID. So, I mean, that's, so there's that. that's total sketch. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just saying like, you know, oh, I send the wine to everybody. It's right. fine. Don't yep. worry about it. Mm-hmm. it. It's interesting. I'm doing uh, an event with a gal that I had on the show a month ago. I went to high school with her. And... She organized a get-together that we're doing virtually with our class of 88. There's only 34 of us, and so whomever we could find. And to raise money, she went through One Hope Wine, and you could order. The number of people that spoke up from our class and said, I'm not drinking, you know, I'm like, I'll find something else and Mm. whatever. I was like, awesome. That's amazing. It It was, A, it shows you the numbers because with 34 girls in the class, how many, you know, I think three or four spoke up and said, you know, I'm not drinking, but of course I'd love to participate. And so that was interesting. And the fact that it it wasn't like I need to hide this after all these years or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, nobody cares. I mean, you know, you do you. Right. So now when does the book come out? April 15th, tax day. You're welcome. (laughs) Something to make you laugh on a day that you might want to cry. Right. I love this. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to have some fun. I can't wait. Right. So we'll be right back with Amy Harrison. See you soon. Art lovers, climate concerned citizens, and you are invited to a virtual art show. The exhibition, From Green to Gray, opens Friday, April 2nd, and runs through May 31st. 
The virtual exhibition, conceived by artist and high school senior William Rains, will focus on the effects of climate change and will feature juried work from artists around the world. Profits raised from print sales will support the Sunrise Movement, an organization fighting for progressive climate policy in the United States. To learn more, go to fromgreentogray.com. Note, gray is spelled with an E. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket? Going crazy trying to find a different way out? Exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodlesideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm Stacey Heller. I am joined by Amy Harrison. We had an awesome conversation about the book that is going to be coming out on Tax Day 2021, Eternally Expecting, Mm -hmm. and it is going to be a... A great read. It's going to be something that everybody should read it because if you're, especially if you're a mom who is just a normal mom, there is something that you feel like is your dirty little secret that you have to hide. It may be your floors or your pantry, but then there too, right? Mm-hmm. But the Instagram perfect world is just it is the worst mm-hmm. to try to keep up with that. And uh, at a certain point, I feel like we all need permission to let stuff go. Yeah. So I'm giving you that permission today. So I thought, since you're such an 80s gal, we could do some 80s trivia. Great. I know you're going to get all of these right, and I'm going to run through them, and we're going to be like, out of time because you know these things. Okay. I don't know. Uh, Rick Ocasek, lead singer for what band? I absolutely have no idea. Really? Yeah. You know. The Cars. Yes. Mm, see? Annie was married to? Paulina Povascosha, is that how you say Poroskova. it? Poroskova. Poroskova. Yeah. And he just died like last year, I think. Yeah. And they were separated. See, I know all these. This is what <laughs> my head is full of. And they were separated but lived in the same space. And in his will, he left nothing for her, oh. even though he stayed. she stayed with him right to the end. I hope you started with a hard one. That was hard. <laughs> Good okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Which song by the Bangles was a big hit in 86? Walk Like an Egyptian. There you go. Okay. Come on. Little bit of confidence now. Okay. Okay. And isn't it one of the gals that was in, I think, the Bangles that married John Taylor and then, like, somebody started, I think, John Taylor from Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His wife, I think, is one of the founders of Juicy Couture. Right. Okay. Like, this is the knowledge that, like, is in my head. Yeah. So that's a thing. At least we have the same pop culture references. Oh, yeah. Because I hate it when I say stuff and, you know, millennials look at me like, what? Okay. Person? What's really depressing is yesterday when I was talking to Charlie about how I used to work for this gourmet food store in Connecticut and, you know, the silent owner or partner in the business was Paul Newman. And he said, who's Paul Newman? 
Oh, and it worst. made me think of the Macklemore lyrics where he talks about, you know, I've heard that you die twice and, you know, once when you die and the other when nobody remembers your name. And I thought, Paul Newman can't die yet. Yeah. <laughs> so then I had to go on like a deep dive and I was like, here's pictures, here's movies, like, you know, here's this like philanthropy, all these things. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing my part to keep him alive. Good job. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Now. Blondie came out with a song in 1980 that was also the theme song for the movie American Gigolo. What was it? Heart of Glass? No, call me. Okay, I have a great story about that, which I won't go into the whole thing, but um, my neighbor's brother recorded over a tape that we had, this Mm -hmm. Blondie tape, and so it ruined the song forever. Like, Call Me is ruined in my head forever. I can't, oh. yeah, I can't, like, unsee it. It's one of those things. That's funny. Anyways, I continue. mean, awful, yeah. but, okay. Now, I learned this one today. Um, Queen's first song in 1980, now I'm guessing that this is not their first song. This is must be their first song of 1980. Very bad writing, English teacher Amy. Um, it was also their first number one hit in the United States. Which song do you think it was? We are the champions. No. See, I... Crazy little thing called love. Mm, Got it. Okay. You're a boy band girl, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Now we'll go into movies. Do you remember the movie Splash? Of course. Do you remember what the brothers did for a living? They worked at a, not a fish market, but they had a fishery, fish something. Um, It was produce, actually. Oh, yeah. But that's impressive that you were able to... (laughs) I'm just, I'm just picturing them standing on the back of the semi in the loading dock, right? Having and, conversations. Uh huh. I'm mm-hmm. with you. That would have been awkward, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they were fishmongers <laughs> and you know Daryl Hannah is there with the tail and everything, right? If they oh. said it in Seattle, they could have thrown her, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> thrown her in the tub. Think it's time for a reboot, right? I, I you know what? <laughs> we need to work on this. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Okay, John Hughes. Many a film by John Hughes. Mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is my fave. So good. Uh, Do you know what film it came out in 84? Uh, it only took him two days to write. Breakfast Club? No. Darn. 16 Candles. Okay. That's the one that when I was younger and I pouted all the time that mm-hmm. I look, a lot of people say, just like Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. I At the time, I was like, Ugh, and, you know, rolled my eyes and pouted. Because that's what you do. Okay. Do you remember Silver Spoons, the show? Of course. Do you remember what the character's name was? Ricky Schroeder's character? hmm Yeah. I don't remember because I was obsessed with Ricky Schroeder and wanted to marry him. So that's all I knew him as. Well, because Ricky Schroeder. Now he's grown up and um, I believe that he helped fund the kid that shot somebody and he helped fund him getting like out of jail or something. Okay, right on. Well, yes, depending on your political <laughs> b- beliefs. I believe he's a far left guy. Okay. And, you know, it doesn't matter, but the point is that he was recently in the news, which is I why it was far right. Far right. Yeah. Far right. Thank you. Not far left. Thank you, Eric. See, this <laughs> is again why Eric is here. Um Perfect. and his name is Ricky Stratton. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Angela, Tony, and Sam and Mona are from what show? Who's the boss? At a girl. What soft sculpted dolls were originally referred to as 
the little people. Cabbage Patch Kids. Nailed it. Um, a best-selling book in 1981 explained how to crack the code of what puzzle? Come on, dude. Come on. I have no idea. Oh, Rubik's? Yeah, oh. Rubik's Cube. There was a whole book on it. I just would take it apart. I'd peel the stickers off. Uh, see? Mm-hmm. There are more than one ways to skin a cat, That's which right. is actually the name of one of the episodes for the podcast Between Two Cheeks. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, okay, do you know what uh, VHS stands for? I don't know what it stands for. Video home system. Home, okay. Like phone home. Yeah. Okay, and then do you know what the most popular video game in the 80s was? I'm going to say Pac-Man, Frogger, Pitfall. I don't know. I thought it was Pac-Man for sure or Ms. Pac-Man. Turns out it's Mario Brothers. Really? I didn't know they'd been around for that long. See, I thought that was Nintendo. But I don't know much, I, mm, you know. Well, I don't you know. get them out. <laughs> no. You're you're an 80s music gal. Yeah. Uh, my first, um, what is it? What are the mini albums? There was a 70, what is it? Like, what's the little ones? Oh, you know uh, talking the about? 55s? Yeah. Like, what is it? Do you know what it is, Eric? You're too young, but. Like a seven inch single? Or yeah, like the about? little ones. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a the, seven inch. Yeah, the first one I ever had was Olivia Newton-John, Let's Get Physical. Mm-hmm. That was the best video, by the way. So good. All the people on the bikes. And the, yeah. and so bad simultaneously. Yeah. But that's the 80s. It's kind of like a little <laughs> risque for that time period. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're running out of time, and I want to make sure that people are able to connect with you. So if they want to follow your progress, know where to get the book, connect with you, ask questions, where can they find you? Okay, so have a website, which I have, I'm having to go by my middle name because I guess that's kind of an authory thing. feels kind of <laughs> legit. So it's amylizharrison.com. Okay. And then on Instagram, it's at amylizharrison. So that's easy enough. Yeah, A-M-Y-L-I-Z-H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I assume that you'll be keeping people up to date on progress as the book comes out and where they can get it and all that kind of good jazz. Absolutely. It'll be on primarily Amazon, but also Audible because I'm kind of like a listener to books. So, um, yeah. Are you reading your own book? I did. (gasps) Yeah. I saw those posts and I was wondering if that's what you were doing because I'm not going to lie. I scrolled and I did not read the caption. Uh, That's totally fine. But I had a feeling that, and and you were all like set up, like kitted out. Yeah. Yeah, had some buddies come over and bring the stuff to me. So it was kind of exciting. That's amazing. It was great. When I was a kid and we were living in Princeton, um, recording for the blind was there. And they would do all kinds of recordings for blind people. So anyway, check out uh, Amy's website, amylizharrison, two R's, one S, dot com. And learn more about her book, Eternally Expecting. And thank you for being a guest. Thank you to Eric for helping me with all of my corrections. And on next week's show, we've got Pia Larson, who is the driven owner of Fingerprint Marketing. And remember, folks, stay connected, not close.